0: Have you ever done a radio interview or a podcast no. or nothing? No, no audio. Uh, have you ever done a TV interview? No. I had a client, so
1: I talked had... to my television.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the FFG Financial Insights Podcast. My name is Brian Ullman. I'm a financial advisor here at Ford Financial Group, and I'm joined today by Steve Jolly, who's also a financial advisor here at FFG. Steve, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Um, We're excited to have Steve um, kind of talk to us about himself actually today. This is our second part in a series of the Meet the Advisors uh, series for our podcast, uh, helping clients kind of get a better understanding of who we are and who the advisors are around here. So, Uh, Steve, uh, let's start by you kind of just telling us a little bit about your background. Are you, you're originally from the Valley?
1: Yeah. First, let me just say that, um, this is my favorite subject. (laughs) So glad to be here. Good. Um, yes, I am from the Valley, so to speak. Um, born and raised in Clovis. Okay. And then, um, after my seventh grade year, our family was, uh, we, we spent almost every summer in the mountains at a cabin up at Dinky Creek. And then my parents uh, decided to move to the mountains full time. And so at the end of my seventh grade year, we moved up to Shaver Lake. And so I grew up in Shaver Lake. Went California. To high, went to high school up there? I went to high school. Um, well, first of all, shout out to the Pine Ridge Rattlers because I did go to eighth grade at Pine Ridge which okay. is the top That's of the four lane. Yeah.
0: Oh, at the top of the four lane. Okay. Well, it's
1: elementary and junior high, which encompasses about 93 children at the time <laughs> when I was literally yeah. um, 13 eighth graders, only five eighth grade boys. So when Jesse would fall out of the basketball, Don, um, <laughs> the gal would come in and take his place. And That's actually, funny. was better than Jesse, but he <laughs> couldn't play until Jesse fell out. That's funny. So. And then and then went to Sierra High School.
0: Sierra High School, and then uh, after high school, Fresno State.
1: Yeah, um, looked at uh, Cal Poly, Fresno State, and uh, my parents were uh, nice enough to help me through uh, college. So So Fresno State, close to home. Yeah, correct.
0: So uh, after college, did you get how what what got you into being a financial advisor?
1: You know, I went into college. I um, enjoyed accounting. Uh, We had a great accounting program actually at high school. And so I went in with every intent of becoming an accountant, but they were impacted and I could not get into any accounting classes, really? you know, my first couple of years in school. So for general education, one of the things was economics, you know, one a Yeah. and I took it and I enjoyed it. And part of that was my professor, Dr. Leet shout out. Yeah. Um, he made it so understandable. It's like just, we, we talked about the real world and about, you know, never really thought about supply and demand, but you know, you start talking about eating more pretzels and less
0: theory, more practice. Yeah. Yeah. And it
1: was very enjoyable. And so I took another semester, um, took another semester and then started to actually even do some independent study with him where he would give me some books and I'd read them and then we'd discuss them. And eventually he's like, what are you doing? You know, Come away from the dark side and and <laughs> so come do this.
0: You moved in uh, from accounting to like business major or something like that. Um, economics, economics major. Okay,
1: and there's enough crossover. So I graduated with the um, economics degree and a minor in business finance.
0: Oh wow, that's great! Didn't did you get started right away um, at a bank or?
1: Actually, my last semester of school, I um, interviewed They had a career fair and. One of the companies there was a company called IDS, Investors Indemnity and Service or something like that. Anyway, it was an American Express company okay. that um, focused in financial planning. And so I did a consultative training selling course with them my last semester, mm-hmm. which culminated in studying and taking the Series 7, the securities oh, license. Okay. Right. So on my birthday in June, um, right after I graduated college, I became Series 7 licensed.
0: Wow, well, you're 21 years old. Or yeah, 22, 22 something like I that. think. Yeah, wow.
1: And uh, it was financial planning was a very arcane subject to a 22 year old. I bet. You know, for me, is, it was I like think. I had. It still is correct. Yeah. It's for a lot of people, yeah. regardless of whether you're 22 or 72. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like you know me and my auto mechanic. I yeah. can't fathom it, right. but it it comes natural to, to me. To some, yeah. Um, although we still study right and learn every day. But financial planning was difficult for me at a young age because if uh, if the ATM only um, spit out $20 bills and I had $17 in my account, how am I going to get $20 <laughs> out of a $17 machine or balance? And so that was my idea of financial planning. So I really struggled because I wasn't of age and yeah. it was an arcane concept. And then when they talked about, okay, you're going to have to start bringing in friends or family to practice on. You know, i kind of backed off and went back to my summer job which is in construction okay very hot here in fresno yeah in the summer yeah. and uh my buddy's dad actually owned the company he graduated the same time i did with another friend from college and we would joke that we were the most educated plaster crew in the county <laughs> probably so um but then how smart were we standing next to the side of this um human wall you yeah, know right. in, in august so um, I decided uh, that I did like the concept again. And then my brother-in-law actually said, well, you're licensed. You should go talk to one of the wire or the brokerage firms. Oh, so okay. I did interview with, you know, the the back then, the Merrill Lynch and Dean Witter at the time. Yeah. Um,
0: Where did you land ultimately?
1: Payne Weber. Okay. Which is now UBS.
0: Okay. How so, long did you stay at Payne Weber?
1: I um, was at Payne Weber for seven years. Okay. So I started in 88 and worked there for seven years. We had an assistant manager who was an elderly gentleman. He retired and I've always liked to know how things work. And so along that same line, I kind of raised my hand and said, you know, if you need an assistant manager, I'll help, Right. you know, be around, to help sign documents and yeah. oversee compliance and sales and what have you. And so they took me up on it and went through, uh, training, okay. uh, like, uh, to be management training for a year long course, which took me back to New York. I think I went back some 15 times over that year, year and a quarter. And it culminated with them offering me a management job um, in Santa Rosa, which was a small struggling office and interviewed, considered it. And over the weekend, I ended up going to the hardware store here in Fresno and ran into a guy that I went to high school with. And I remember going home that night and telling my wife that I really enjoy running into people that I went to elementary school with and high school with right college, the local flavor. Yeah.
0: That's kind of one of the nice things about being where Fresno is a up. big,
1: small town, Yeah, a slice of the Midwest in the middle of California. <laughs> right. And so I said, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to be a good manager, but I truly like being an advisor broker at the time. And I said, I, I don't think management's for me because Santa Rosa might've been a great place to retire and enjoy the wine. But as a young, uh, Family man, the next it would be on to the next job, whether that be in Omaha, Nebraska, or Weehawken, New Jersey, was the headquarters. And I thought, wow, that what a grand prize!
0: Yeah. And so (laughs) I said,
1: I think I'm going to focus on being the best advisor I can be and and knock off this management stuff. That's great. So then
0: you stayed at Payne Weber and did that.
1: Stayed at Payne Weber, but then at the same time, I said, all right, I needed to rededicate myself, Mm -hmm. and I was kind of looking for I don't know motivation, still looking for a challenge. And I had some good friends that were at Payne Weber who joined Prudential Securities a couple of years earlier and through the course of lunches and talking, they were explaining, you know, the differences between Prudential. And, and I said, you know what, I think I need a change of yeah. pace. And so discussed it of course, with my wife and family and not family at the time that kids might not have <laughs> even been born in, but, uh, moved, moved to Prudential made the leap yeah prudential securities uh in 1995.
0: okay how long were you at prudential then
1: i was at prudential then um all the way until april of this last year in 2000 i'm sorry october of 2018 when i joined ford financial group now the names changed so prudential became um wachovia okay and then wachovia
0: didn't fare so well. Didn't
1: fare so well in the financial crisis, and there was actually, I think, a week where we were owned by Citigroup. Oh, really? Um, and then Wells that. Fargo. Uh, it was an arranged marriage, as was going on back yeah, then in the right. industry. And Wells Fargo, I think, they thought was the better partner to save that bank. Yeah. Um, and
0: in, in 08 there was a lot of consolidation. A lot
1: of consolidation. Um, you know, we were concerned about <clears> we the the Federal Reserve, the Treasury was worried about the financial system at the time, and so they were arranging marriages uh the best they could to make sure that uh the banking system was sound and so we ultimately ended up with wells fargo
0: so so then so you know eight all that time at the same kind of with the same firm i guess you could say though the firm changed Mm -hmm. uh flash forward now to um october last year you made the leap again Mm -hmm. and you joined ford financial group what was it that um caused you to join ffg
1: I really enjoyed working for Wachovia up until that point. It seemed as though the industry evolved from Manhattan down to the rest of the world and ultimately to the client, mm-hmm. for example, in Fresno. But they thought the firm thought all great ideas emanated from the tip of Manhattan rather than starting in Kalinga or Fresno, by selling like bottom, yeah. bottom up and doing what's right for the client. And ultimately working up to have the firm working for the client through me and through our assistants, et cetera. Yeah. And Wachovia really had that. They were they were um headquartered um not they were in Virginia and not New York, so they didn't have that Manhattan uh all about us
0: sensibility kinda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And
1: then it changed though. Um when Wells Fargo acquired Wachovia, it took them a year or two. I don't even know if they realized they had a brokerage arm. Um, cause they already had one internally, but then they did start to put the bank stamp on it and the CEO who had that mentality that, Hey, the client first, and then driving it up from the client, it really did morph over the next few years to go right back to the industry standard of we're going to do what's right for Could the d- entity dictate, to dictate, how it's gonna yeah, work. yeah. And then go and then go make this right for the client, which is exactly opposite. So that really got me looking around. It didn't help. Wells Fargo was in the news. Yep. Um,
0: it got you thinking about going independent.
1: Got me thinking, you know, at this stage in my career, I'm 54. And so I'm been in the business now over 30 years, 30 yeah. plus years. I I like what I do. I enjoy what I do. And I think I'm good at it. So, you know, I wasn't going to retire. Um, I, I still want to be active in the industry. Sure. Uh, uh, keep me off the streets and <laughs> keep uh, you out of trouble. Keep me out of trouble, and you know I am addicted to skiing already. So <laughs> yeah. I needed to, to keep my hands busy during the week yeah. and my mind. And so I had been thinking about independent um, advisory for a number of years. It's a difficult move, you know. Nobody wants to make change, and I certainly don't want to make change for my clients. They're my livelihood.
0: Well, and sometimes the. The easiest action is inaction, right? Correct. It's the status quo. But But
1: then you run the risk of being that proverbial frog in the pan of boiling water that we've all heard of. I've never tested that theory, but (laughs) supposedly the frog... It ends poorly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Either way, I guess. But yeah, yeah, slowly. But then also, the industry, the way I see it, is evolving. And a couple years ago, there was an initiative that's going to be rolled out from the Department of Labor called the DOL rule or the DOL standard, where in corporate pension plans, you have a fiduciary standard. So advisors have to, um, treat their clientele as fiduciaries and the, the industry has never demanded that kind of heightened service, trust responsibility, responsibility, where, you know, uh, as opposed to suitability, where something you can recommend something to a client as long as it's suitable. Right. You know, but which is very broad compared to fiduciary standard, which is, hey, you have to do. It's more demanding. Demanding. More advisor, And, you know, yeah. uh, and that's what I wanted. That's right. I've seen the industry evolve over 30 plus well, and years.
0: It's, it's kind of headed in the direction of transparency and accountability.
1: Like and other, other industries that we yeah. hold in high regard. Right. You know, um, we all want our medical professionals, our attorneys, our CPAs. tax advisors, <laughs> right. you know, my plumber. Um, we all want to be treated as if we're being, you know, uh, handled responsibly by a fiduciary of whatever that happens. Someone has your best interest interest all the time, truly, and no hidden stuff. Right. Everything, you know, transparency. Right. So because of what happened with the firm, because of what I saw in the industry, the stars aligned, um, some very in depth conversations between myself my wife, my work wife, Michelle, um, who is my assistant. <laughs> an important is part of this, yeah. Really important part of it. Her and I have been working together. Um, she actually has 31-plus years in the industry, and her and I have been working together for 22, 23 years. Wow. And we really are. She's, we're the left and right hand yeah, in term. our practice, the yin and the yang. And yeah. I tend to focus a lot on the economics and the investment side. And Michelle does great job at client service, and she knows – the pets' names, shepherding clients through, yeah. Right. And so when you put both of that together, you know, m- her strength matches my weakness, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And we think we are a great combination. And so her and I really thought hard and deep and interviewed. There's different independent places to sure. be. Yeah, there's not um, just one. A lot of them. And so again, some hard study, um, talking to people in the industry, figuring out where the industry's going, trying to get in front of that change that mm-hmm. we already talked about. Yeah. And ultimately landed with a great group, Ford Financial Group.
0: And here you are.
1: And here I am. Yeah. That's and great. I and i one of the things I like to say about Ford Financial Group too is that it's not Ford Financial Corporation or Ford Financial Consultants. It's Ford Financial Group. Right. And one of the things that really drew me here is we do have a cogenial Work environment here, yeah. all the way it's from collaborative. I would, collaborative. I would like to describe whether it's it, yeah. you know from the recession all the way to Carol Ford, who's yep. still here, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, where we're working, we still have our. I'm the you know responsible for my clientele and
0: yeah, you have the freedom to practice,
1: freedom to practice, but at the same time, if we want to leverage um, the knowledge base um, from all the
0: advisors and all the experience, here, yeah, right? we're here.
1: able to. Whereas. Yeah. The industry over at, especially like at the wirehouse side, the, the brokerage side, is very siloed. You, yeah. you don't want to share information because you're afraid somebody's going to use it against you. That's unfortunate. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's no way to, to do things. Now, so you're here, you've settled in, um, and the transition obviously is a tremendous amount of work. What do you do to blow off steam? How do you get out of the <laughs> office and keep your sanity?
1: When I work, I work really hard. When I'm here, I'm here. committed, and I think when I'm not, I'm not, so that's one of the things I try to do, although with the technology here, I'm able to access email perhaps a little more than I should. (laughs) More than you should. Yeah. Uh, But you
0: you, you mentioned you ski a lot.
1: I enjoy skiing. In fact, I met my wife skiing. Oh, really? I didn't know that. At China Peak. So she um, came out from uh, South Dakota and grew up in Three Rivers, which is just east of Visalia. Yeah. And so we didn't go to the same high school or anything, but China Peak is a fairly small ski resort. And it's like our little country club. Every weekend, everybody goes up there and you kind of know everybody. And yeah. One of these days, her friends didn't show up and she was on the deck and said, why don't you ski with us? And we kind of knew of each other. Sure. And then the, chase, the chase was on.
0: That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. So you both still ski?
1: We both still ski.
0: And when there's no snow on the ground, what kind of things do you guys do?
1: We like, enjoy mountain bike riding. Okay. And I just bought a new all-terrain vehicle, uh, Polaris. So okay. um, my wife and I, uh, we can't hike the way we used to, perhaps. And yeah. so this is a way, I think, uh, motorized-wise Still to get Still getting out there. We love the mountains.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, that's clear, right? If you're yeah. you're up in the mountains.
1: And we raised our children. We have Tanner and Trent. They're 25 and 23 now. Um, both grew up skiing. I don't think they can remember a time when they didn't ski. It. That's they, very cool. they love it as much as we do. That's and, very cool. And so we try to spend, you know... Um, A lot of time uh, up on the hill that seems to want to bring them home, and that's how we get them to spend time with us. Uh,
0: if you've got that itch, you have to scratch it and get up in the fresh, clean air.
1: There are, the uh, last couple of years, I've even been able, fortunate enough to uh, make some acquaintances uh, throughout the ski world, and spent some time down in South America and have got to ski in August for the last five years in, uh, Argentina and Chile.
0: I've seen some pictures in, from those it's, trips. Those it's great,
1: especially when it's 110 in Fresno and I get, you know, people look at me like I'm crazy walking, you know, through an airport with skis and yeah, ski right. boots around my shoulder. I bet you get
0: more than one kind of odd look. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's fun as I, that rye smile knowing I'm going to go somewhere cool That's and excellent. get out of the heat. So We're
0: good. Well, I, I think we've covered quite a bit. I, I appreciate you taking some time to to chat. Uh, if you're interested in talking more with Steve, you can give us a call. Uh, our number here at the firm is 559-449-8690. You can email Steve at sjolly at com. You can also find our website, www.fordfg.com, where you can find Steve's bio and learn I don't know more about him because I think we covered more than what's in your bio, but, but learn about Steve a little bit as well. So Steve, thanks again. Um, is there anything we missed that we want to add at the end of this?
1: No, just for anybody listening, I'd uh, love to talk to you. So again, reach out. Uh, as Brian said, you got a couple contact points. And just from an investment standpoint, maybe I'll just last final thought on that. You're going to find, I found over the years that plain vanilla ice cream is not real exciting. But you always know it's consistent, it's good, and over time, it works. the job. (laughs) And and my investment philosophy is I've seen a lot of things come and go over the years. I'm old enough to know better, but young enough to remember. Yeah,
0: there you go. That's perfect. Well put. Well put.
1: So I think we'll leave it
0: there, and we'll leave some room here at the end for some disclosures. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. The Advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with securities are offered through LPL financial member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Ford Financial Group, a registered investment advisor, and a separate entity from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results, and all indices are unmanaged and may not be Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal, and no strategy assures success or protects against loss. Any economic forecasts set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and Ford Financial Group and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal advice or services. This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.